0: Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappé. Depay! And he snatched it! Doné finds Dembele, the first touch is good, the second is deadly. Neymar still, oh my word, what a goal! Golovic, lovely finish. Must be the opening goal, Benedetto. And Bagnon, fantastic. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Play it again! And Omer. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done, sensational.
1: Hello and welcome to Le Beaujeu as chaos descends on the southern derby between Nice and Marseille. Marseille refused to retake to the pitch after the game was interrupted for an hour and a half. We look back at Sunday night's worrying events. Elsewhere there was a thrilling 3-3 draw between Clermont and Lyon. PSG march on in Brest. Rennes win the western derby. But Monaco's problems continue to mount as they're beaten by Lens uh joining me this week on Le Beaujeu, I have the pleasure to welcome uh Andrew Scott for a rare appearance how are you Andy hi Matthew I'm okay thank you how are you yeah I'm I'm okay thanks for joining us I know it was a, a late night for you working uh mm. on the highlights this weekend it all finished a bit later than uh, than planned Robbie uh you were <laughs> you were commentating the uh Nice Marseille how are you doing this morning uh, not too bad, all things considered. Matt, after three hours of live commentary uh,
2: yesterday evening, which was a bit tough, but uh, you know, for a commentator,
1: it's uh all new experiences. Yeah, I, I was watching the game on the on, on French television, and they sort of have had the advantage of having a commentator with his summarizer, having two guys. Pitch side as well, plus another reporter, and I, I was thinking about you, Robbie, being on your own. Uh, how <laughs> yes. how you how you are <laughs> passing the time? Let's um, let's start with a bit of commentary uh, from the Alliance Riviera as uh, Nice played host to Marseille. This was an eagerly anticipated game. Both teams off to promising starts this season. Let's uh, let's hear what happened.
2: now he finds the Swiss youngster Latomba into the area. Dolberg is there. And Nice score! And it's Kasper Dahlberg again. With that ruthless Iceman clinical finish. Well, if you're just joining us here at Allianz Riviera, the match has been suspended after Nice fans invaded the pitch when Dimitri Payet was trying to take a corner. There were some uh, rather distasteful scenes and the referee decided to send both teams back into the changing rooms. That was some 25 minutes ago now, and we're still waiting to see if the match will begin again. Well, this is not football. This is not what we wanted to see. The final match of round three of the season has descended into farce.
1: Yeah, so Robbie, where, where do we start with this one? Um, I. I almost want to talk a bit about about the game because it was because it was good, but it's obviously all been overshadowed. Nice were were a goal up when Marseille, with about 15 minutes to go, had a corner. Um, Dimitri Payet went across to take it. I think you know we we should say that it wasn't the first time in the game that that some objects have been thrown on towards towards Marseille players, uh, particularly when they were taking the corner and uh, you may well have seen the uh, the images that have been doing the rounds on social media Dimitri pait getting hit on the back he had his back to the nice fans he got hit by by a bottle that seemed to, uh, to be pretty much full um he was down on the ground when i think another empty bottle hit him he he picked that up threw it back into the stands and then it all just it all just went crazy didn't it rob
2: yeah that's um that's pretty much what happened in the, in the seventy sixth minute when things went a bit pear shaped at, at Allianz Riviera? Before that, as you say, Matt, and and I know people want to want to talk about the events that happened, but it was a cracking match of football. Uh, it was a the first fifteen minutes a little bit slow as the two sides felt each other out, but then it really really kicked off. There were great chances at both ends, great goalkeeping from Benitez and Mondonda. Um, really, a couple of fantastic saves. Casper Dolberg's goal were in in the 49th minute was a was a classic Dolberg one touch finish just improvising off the chest and in and it looked like Nice were on their way they still haven't conceded a goal this season and and look it was all heading for a you know a, a classic derby match but the events that happened look it was just such a shame i think on on so many levels it's just such a shame for what happened last night just because we've been behind closed doors for a, for an entire season the fans are back it's a derby. There's passion. There's everything we love about it. And I said it in the commentary last night, but there, there's a line that you can't cross. And the Nice fans crossed it. And and not all the Nice fans, a few of the Nice fans, the ultras who were particularly wound up by all accounts, you'd have to imagine, because even before kickoff, they were throwing things on the pitch. Steve Mondonde was cleaning his penalty box before the game kicked off with bottles of water, uh, Cigarette lighters, all sorts of things were, were in his penalty box. And you see him picking it up. And this continued for the entire 76 minutes of the match. And it, yes, it got worse when there were corners. There were lots of bottles, lots of things raining down on Dimitri Payet every time he went to take a corner. But Steve Mandanda as well and the other Marseille players as well. And the Nice fans, I mean, what what were they thinking? What did they think was going to happen? And I wonder... If they weren't like little kids just trying to push boundaries a little bit and saying, "Oh, look, we're thrown, we have thrown a few things now, and nothing's happened. Let's keep going, let's keep going, let's keep going," and they did keep going, and finally they they hit one of the Marseille players, and that's when it that's when it all kicked off. It you can't defend the actions of of these few Nice supporters that that ruined it for everyone in the end because they ruined what was a fantastic match of football. Interesting. There are several talking points and and things that need to be discussed and things that will come out in the wash. One for me is, and obviously, and I'm not pointing the finger at the referee, Benoit Bastien, who's an experienced French referee, and Alvaro Gonzalez in particular was talking to Monsieur Bastien the whole way through the match saying, what's going on? What are you going to do about this? And at one point, midway through the second half, you see him pointing and you can see him say the word visage, visage, face in French. And he's saying to the referee, I think he's saying to the referee, are you going to wait until one of our players gets hit in the face? And what are you going to do then when when something serious happens? And the referee kept saying, pointing to the delegate on the halfway line and the cameras and saying, look, it's all being recorded. We're going to keep playing as though he was under instructions to keep the game going It's a volatile environment. We know Nice fans are are very passionate. We know it's a big derby. But surely, if it had been racist chanting, the game would have been stopped. There would have been an announcement over the loudspeakers saying, this has to stop. The game has been suspended for two minutes, for five minutes, for whatever. It will retake. The game will resume once you calm down. This didn't happen. And the Nice fans kept pushing and pushing. And... There, I mean, Dimitri Payet threw a bottle as hard as he could straight back into the fans. That could have hit anyone, an innocent bystander, etc., etc. You can understand Dimitri Payet's frustration, but he shouldn't have done that. I'm not saying it was Payet's fault, but that's what sparked the, the, the Nice fans then, as though they were yeah. waiting for that moment, then went, oh, look what he's done, let's go. And they were after yeah. him. The Nice fans came down onto the pitch. There were punches thrown. We saw Marseille players. Luan Perez, uh, Matteo Genduzzi had marks on them uh, on their necks where they'd been grap- grappled or grabbed by by Nice fans. The uh, Jorge Sampaoli was going mental on the
1: sidelines. He looks like a caged lion yeah. or tiger. And the thing is Robbie, the there was time. this there was this electric atmosphere right from the beginning of the game I, I can remember yeah, in the first which is few great. minutes. Yeah, but yeah, I know, but Sampa- I remember Sampaoli going absolutely Mental in the first few minutes because yeah. a throw-in was given to to Nice and, and yeah. the referee tried <laughs> tried to calm him down. So, but in the atmosphere in the stands, um, you know, by and large, in the game was absolutely brilliant. But but I I, I think you're right. I think it's that the supporters kind of felt that because nothing was happening, nothing you know, nothing was being done about them throwing things on. It was almost like they felt that they 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 were allowed to do it. Or you know, we're we talk we are talking about a minority, and I think. Um, it, it is important to say that it was, you know, a, a great atmosphere, and you saw a lot of children, you saw a lot of families, and that's yeah, what's so absolutely. sad about it. That's that's what's so damaging. I think we do need to say before I bring Andy in, we do need to say where we're at here on a, on, on on Monday morning, because there is going to be an inquest. But as it stands, the referee, after a very very long consultation with all the security and 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 the police, that that the, the were present in the stands you know they watched all the images over and over and it took an hour and a half and they decided they could play the game Marseille refused to play the, to, to to restart the game Andy was waiting and waiting because he had to finish the the, <laughs> the the highlights program I mean you must have been thinking you know how how long is this going to go on for
3: yeah absolutely um you, you know it's funny because um the the point that Robbie makes about it being a good game and it's one of the things that that um L'Equipe, I was looking at L'Equipe this morning very briefly. One of the things that they actually say, they say, Le match est beau. And it's true. And, and one of the problems with um, making a highlight show with the late Sunday night game is that you leave yourself a certain space to fill uh, in terms of the time you've got to for, for the highlights of the game. And actually, it was very difficult to, 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 to fill that space because there was so much happening in the game. It was a very good game. And, and then everything kicks off. Uh, luckily we were able to to send our highlight show a little bit later than, than we're supposed to because nobody knew what was happening. And actually even as I was um, you know, just, just leaving last night, we weren't entirely sure. You know, has this game been abandoned? Have Nice been awarded the victory? We weren't completely sure. And obviously we have to wait and see what the league will, will decide on this. It's gonna be, as you say, a big inquest and um and and it's going to run and run all week. Um, it's it's very obviously um very disappointing that this has happened at the end of another good weekend of football in France. And I think really the thing that sticks with me more than anything is that these supporters. You mentioned that the vast majority of the people in the ground, um, were not involved in this. Of course, they would come to to watch the game uh, in you know peacefully, to enjoy the occasion with the friends friends and family, whatever. Uh, but what I find truly amazing is that let's just remember that the whole of last season, pretty much the whole of last season, these fans were not able to go to the game. And um, the second match back this season at home for Nice, they do this. Uh, I just find that incredible that they would um, they would do that. And of course, they jeopardise their chances, and not just their chances, but the chances of all of the club supporters and possibly other teams as well. They jeopardise their chances of being able to go back to the stadium anytime soon. I just think that's incredible. I mean, I mean. There's a fine line in football, in terms of supporting football, between um, the passion. You know, the passions run high, and 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 what that passion brings. Sometimes there's 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 an edge to a crowd, and that can make for a very special atmosphere. And I've been at some really big games of football. You know, in 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 down the years, you know, whether it be PSG, Marseille, Barcelona, Real Madrid, you know, Benfica, Porto, whether it be Boca Juniors, whatever. I've been to some great stadiums, experienced some incredible atmospheres. And and sometimes you do need that edge, that bit of needle to create that special atmosphere. But what it really cannot do is go that step too far, like what happened last night. Um, just crazy behaviour from these supporters. And, and it just ruined it for, you know, OK, I went to bed a lot later than planned, but it, it ruined not just my night, it ruined the night of so many people. And Andy, uh, it's such a shame.
1: Have you been to a Dundee derby?
3: Do you know, I was thinking that you were, you were going to mention that, Matt. And uh, I was thinking if I said something like that, you were going to talk about Dundee Derby in there. And, uh, and, and uh, I actually, do you know something? I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, well, you might, you might say that. You might be well, maybe a bit condescending. But but listen, uh, the Dundee Derby does have a very special atmosphere. And I've been to Dundee Derby, so people have invaded the pitch and attacked players. And, and you just think this is stupid, you know? I mean, I mean, we can all get really almost carried away, very excited about these things. We think that we hate the opposition team and all the rest of it. But, you know, come on, you don't need to start. I mean, no. throwing plastic bottles is one thing, but then running onto the pitch and confronting the opposition players is just utter... Ma- and, and, of course, there is also the COVID context. You know, I mean, people talk about social distancing and stuff. I mean, don't go and get up in the faces of the players and all the rest of it at any time, but especially not now. It's just, I, I, I'm just kind of lost for words, which is not much use on a podcast, but um, mm-hmm. I, I, just don't, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I mean, what are these people thinking?
1: Honestly Andy I yeah. I I I I don't mean to be condescending I'm a bit you know I'm I'm a big fan of <laughs> Scottish football I used to listen to Dundee United when they were playing in Europe okay. in, the, in 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 the late 80s so apologies
3: for my No no l- no 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 it's, it's, <laughs> but, but you you know I mean I mean the the point is that you get you get yeah, lots yeah. of all, all these big derby games and this game obviously last night is is a derby and down in the Mediterranean you know these port cities Nice Marseille um, you know, people are passionate about life in general as a real fervor about the football. And, and I saw a comment actually by a colleague of mine last night who said, um, a guy who's based there in the UK, who said that of all the teams um, with crazy ultras, is how he described it, you don't expect Nice to be that team. And it's a bit of a lesson actually for people who don't really follow French football on a regular basis because they think of Marseille automatically as being a club with the, the real fervent supporters. But we all know that Nice really do have um, a, a fervent branch of ultras. Uh, and and this is, I mean, I was, but this is not new. I mean, it is new to the extent to which it's happened, but we've seen games, you know, you go back to the old Stade du Rey, that was always a very intimidating place for away teams to go, a real ramshackle stadium. And obviously this is a modern ground, the Allianz Riviera, but it's also can be a very intimidating place for away teams to go, but I've, I've never seen it. To, to this extent, obviously.
1: I don't think any of us have. No, and the, the thing is, it's not an isolated incident because Marseille's first away game this season against Montpellier, um, the players had to had to go off because stuff was being thrown on at them and uh, Valentin Rangier uh, got hit in the face by by something. So, you know, it, it's not like this is just, has just come out of the blue. I just want to finish on this, Robbie, um, uh, by bringing you back in. You mentioned uh, Dimitri Payet, shouldn't have reacted but i i but i know you you know you added a lot of caveats to that and i think you need it shouldn't be taken out out sort of in 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 isolation that incident i think you need to look at what happened throughout the game um, and imagine yourself in dmitry Payet's shirt or in his boots you you've got your back to whatever 7000 supporters who are who are obviously screaming at you you get hit by a, a very hard object that suddenly you know comes out of the blue smacks you you're down in pain and then you get hit by another object i mean you know i i don't think in any way dimitri Payet should be uh should be accused of anything i you know i yeah, i understand i, know I saying, understand man. that his that his reaction led to this explosion and i think you know Genduzi and alvaro who went steaming in sort of you know towards the supporters that obviously precipitated it as well, but I, I just think it's a very human, normal reaction. What what Payet did? Yeah,
2: look, I think there's there's uh, when you when you start to dissect uh, an event of what happened, you start to look at at individual moments. I mean, there was a member of the Marseille staff that came running on and started. Uh, oh, that was not shocking, really yeah. a punch, but you know, was getting right involved in the thick of the action. There were a lot of individual moments where you can point the finger and say, look, this person did not cover themselves in glory or perhaps this person should have done something different but yeah i agree with you entirely that that it would be very harsh to 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 suggest in any way that dmitry payet was at fault for the events for what happened last night but yes he shouldn't have thrown the bottle back into the crowd just like the crowd shouldn't have been throwing things at him for for 75 minutes that's 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 the way it goes. We've seen examples of it in the past. I mean, players do get things thrown at them, and yes, look, it was just a. It was, in the end, it was the straw that broke the camel's back for for Dimitri Pite. Quick word on derbies. No one's mentioned South Melbourne versus Melbourne Knights yet in the late nineties. Yeah. Okay. Good. Which was an incredible <laughs> atmosphere at, at Summer Street or at Bob Jane. But anyway, you'll have to take us, have to take us Robbie. To <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's all happening down in in regional football at the moment in uh, in Australia. But anyway, to keep to keep moving on. Yes, it was. Uh, look, I agree with Andy. It's it was just a shame, honestly. I my, my, I was just gutted because I think it's great having intimidating atmospheres. I love the old Stade de Re, I love Bastia's stadium, these places where it's difficult and intimidating to travel. The old PSG Marseille games were you could feel and smell the 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 tension in the air and but if you if you step over the mark you you ruin it for everyone and that's what happened and look it's just a it's just a great shame we have to see what happens now I mean it's all going to come out in the wash what what happens with this result.
3: Can I just can I just touch on that again actually just the you mentioned PSG Marseille games in the past and I think you know we all know don't we that that um there was a a terrible incident at PSG Marseille game going back more than ten years now where unfortunately a fan lost his life mm-hmm. um outside the ground um on the sidelines of the game and that was actually trouble between supporters of the same team and um without wanting to go into too much depth about about what happened after that but obviously you know this was in about 2010 there was there was an, an effort made by PSG to sort of clean up if you like the um the, so all the supporter it? groups uh, were
2: disbanded yeah all the, all yeah the ultras, and, yeah, uh, yeah.
3: And 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 um, and this this is something that happened at the just as the the obviously Qatar Sports Investments brought PS bought PSG in 2011 and and they came into a club who'd sort of sanitized if you like it doesn't sound like a nice word to use but they kind of sanitized the atmosphere around the supporters and the ultra groups and the club and kind of started from scratch and and I, I, the point I'm trying to make is I don't know what the Nice owners are going to think of all this because of course Nice have got um you know owners who came in recently very ambitious uh, Ineos. With a very rich, uh, very rich man behind them, of course, and um, the you know the Ratcliffe brothers were probably looking at this thinking, what on earth have we got ourselves into here? And I just wonder what kind of action the club will try to take about uh, dealing with the the supporters involved in this because it doesn't look good for them. This is a club who are, um, you know, targeting Champions League qualification this season and 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 possibly even better than that in the years ahead. And obviously they've brought they brought in Christoph Galtier, title winning coach, and he's not come to Nice to 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 experience that you know and this this jeopardizes their chances of success on the field doesn't it so um it's going to be interesting to see how the, the owners respond to this let's see let's see what what happens in the coming days
1: what sanctions are taken what is decided uh, by by the french league um another result on on sunday montpellier 3 lorient 1 um i'm i'm bringing that game in for a reason montpellier uh, winning thanks to savanier mavadidi and uh, andy delor it could. It's been reported that that was Andy Delors' last goal, his last appearance for Montpellier. He is the subject of uh, uh, transfer interest, in particular from Nice and Marseille, also, <laughs> also from Marseille and also from Rubin Kazan. Um, yeah, this was a strange one. Christophe Galtier, um, the weekend before, was asked about Andy Delors post-match, and he and he said, "Well, I haven't. Uh, yeah, I haven't uh, heard that rumor." Um, as far as I know, we're not getting Andy DeLore. And then he says he says that after being asked about it, he thought, oh, that's a, that's an interesting idea, actually. Maybe we should buy Andy DeLore, um, which all sounds a little bit far-fetched, given that Andy DeLore, Delore changed agents this summer and his uh, agent is Galtier's son-in-law. Um, so it's a blow, isn't it, for, for Montpellier, um, Andy, if their captain, Andy DeLore, Leaves, mm-hmm. but a good signing for Nice if 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 they can get him.
3: Uh, yeah, it is because uh Andy Delors is, is well, first of all, he's a more experienced player than the players Nice have got. I think we, we all agreed last season that Nice had maybe a, a few too many younger players, and Christophe Galtier has basically said the same thing. They've signed even more young players mm-hmm. this summer, even though they're very good ones. Um Delors got that experience, he's got that um edge to his game, which I think uh, Nice could do with. And obviously it would be a huge blow for Montpellier because the partnership that he has developed with uh, Gaetan Laborde in the last few years uh, there has been really terrific. And um, Laborde was the one we all expected to leave. He hasn't yet gone. See what could happen in the next few days. I don't think Montpellier will be prepared to lose the two of them. Uh, I I think that probably, I thought that Andy Delors would want to stay at Montpellier because his story is an interesting one in that he comes from, not far away in uh, the, the town of Set, which is uh, just on the coast, not far away from Montpellier. And he'd been a, actually a bit of a journeyman in his career, hadn't he? he? hadn't enjoyed an awful lot of success before he went to Montpellier. And it seemed that he was back home. He was happy. He was really flourishing there. Um, so maybe a bit surprised that he, he wants to leave because by all accounts, he does want to leave. Um, but it would be a big blow for them to lose him because I think they if, they can, if they're if they able to keep him in Laborde, they've got a crack at, at European qualification this season with, the players they have around them as well, like Teji Savanier and and, and Florent Molly. Yeah, but if sadly, they lose him, yeah, sadly probably not.
1: No, exactly. Sadly, I think you know it looks like they'll lose at least one, and uh, perhaps they'll lose Laborde and uh, Delor, West Ham among the clubs interested in in Labord, and reports suggest they are um, close to a, agreeing a deal with Vala to 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 bring him in from Marseille. Um, as a, a replacement, at least for for one of them. Now Robbie is going to have to sign off early from uh, from Le Bogie, So I'm going to bring in his uh, his his favourite team. Are we allowed to say that? I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to bring go in on. Paris Saint Germain. <laughs> um, PSG were the first team in action. They were away to Brest on Friday night. Um, Armel Tangi was at the Stade Francis Le Blay to see if PSG could make it three wins from three.
0: Oh, wonderful from Abdou Diallo, Bappe, Herrera. And the goalkeeper spilt it. And Paris Saint-Germain take the lead through under Herrera. Hakimi's header for Vinaldum. And Mbappe coming in. And it's a rare headed goal for Kylian Mbappe. He just continued his run, met the ball. And now Paris are two up. And a chance here for Brest on the breakaway with Steve Mounier. Cardona trying to break into the box in support. Mounier for Roma Febvre, wonderful touch for Franck Honorat, terrific goal from the Bretons and still no clean sheet this season for Paris Saint-Germain, Brest keeping this game alive. Herrera for Garnaguet, the Parisians can stay high up the field, Garnaguet strikes a goal and it's been missed again by Marco Bizot and Paris Saint-Germain have restored their two-goal lead thanks to Idrissa Garnagay. Mounier in on goal and Brest have a second. Very well taken by Steve Mounier. And this game is not dead. And the chance for the break for Paris Saint-Germain. Can they put the game beyond all doubt? Hakimi has gone up alongside Calim Wendo and Di Maria. It's Di Maria with the classic Di Maria lob over Marco Bizot. And that has put this
1: game to bed. So Paris Saint-Germain uh, with another 4-2 victory. Lots of goals coming at, at both ends at the moment for, for PSG. What did you make of this one, Robbie?
2: Um, yeah, I think Paris are, are, are looking very dangerous going forward, but they're, they there need to be some... Some tidying up at the back. I think we saw that Brest are a side that are, are going to cause problems this season. Um, they're, they're a side that never say die. I think they had some excellent performances. Frank Honorat was, was superb. I really like Mounier up front. Um, he's incredible in the air. Um, gets his head on everything. Look, Paris Saint-Germain, they, they know when they step on the accelerator they can cause any side problems, but they have to stop conceding goals because, as we know, their, their their ambitions are not only to win the league and title, but also uh, continental. And uh, they have to shore things up at the back. I'm sure this is a a, a main theme that Pochettino is is working on. Um, they've got new players. They have to bed in. They've got new players in important positions, and uh, it's going to take a little bit of time. But I mean, if they're going to score four goals every
1: every game, they're going to win more than they lose. Andy, so far so mm-hmm. good for for PSG. Would you be at all concerned about the fact that they are leaking goals
3: at the moment? Uh, yes, I would. I mean, let's, let's be honest, the teams they've played so far are Trois, Strasbourg and, uh, and Brest. And, um, you know, if you look at the reported figures, it's hard to get exact figures on these things, at least at this early stage. Brest's entire operating budget for this season is less than the um, annual wage that Lionel Messi is reportedly being paid. So that would indicate that this is not a game that PSG should really be having any trouble with and yet they um they maybe it's an exaggeration to say they nearly threw it away but certainly breast were causing them problems and, and got a couple of goals and it could have been more. Um yeah that, that is a concern for them. I mean obviously they've got such an incredible array of attacking players that um you know it's 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 certainly hard to have any sympathy for, for them but they do need to find that right balance. I mean I mean they've signed Ashraf Hakimi who is an incredible attacking fullback but um he he maybe. As a result of that, you need to be wary of the cover that he requires. Um, I think they need to find that right balance. Obviously, Juan Bernat is still to come back in on the left, and and in terms of finding the right centre back pairing, I mean we've yet to see Marquinhos this season, we've yet to see Sergio Ramos. I think I think things will evolve and probably improve. It might take a while. Injuries could play a part as well, but you know y- you have to find a way of fitting in all these great attacking players, but finding the right balance too, and that is going to be a challenge. I mean I think. The fact they're already two points clear at the top of the table is, is ominous, of course, for the rest of the league here in France. But mm. as Robbie says, their ambitions go beyond that. And um, you know I, I think uh, they might just get caught out perhaps in the, in, certainly in the first months of the season in, in, in the Champions League depending on the draw. They get uh, the, the, the draw is, is this coming Thursday. They'll find out who they play. That could be significant. Um, maybe they'll slip up there. But as, as, as long as Mauricio Pochettino can, can find the right balance uh, in time, the knockout stages of the Champions League because let's be honest that's what this is all building up to then um, things will probably be all right but of course there is some concern because they've let in five goals in three games against you know on paper very limited opposition just very quickly
2: Matt it was Marco Verratti the European champions first game back the Euro winner and
1: uh it was great to see Verratti back on the pitch he's awesome can can I quickly Robbie ask you just two very simple questions uh rounds of PSG coming up on Friday one, are we going to see Messi? Two, is this going to be Killian's last game for Paris Saint-Germain? <laughs> Sorry, I say that with a kind of slightly nervous laugh because they're still talking about him in in Madrid.
2: Um, if and I said this last week, but if I was Killian Mbappe, there's no way I would leave Paris Saint-Germain this season. I have one year left. Worse comes to worse, if I'm if I'm negotiating a, a contract extension, I will just continue. This season, because this is a a club that on paper, I mean, this will be a remarkable season for Paris Saint-Germain. It has all the trappings, all the ingredients to to go all the way and certainly more ingredients at at PSG than there are at Real Madrid at the moment. Um, Lionel Messi, again, I think, uh, I said it before, I think that first match for Lionel Messi will be at the Parc des Princes against Clermont after the international break. Um, But... Who knows? There's no doubt he will want to play. He will want to be back and make a difference as soon as possible. But I suspect there'll be no rushing him back. Physically, he'd have to go through an entire series, a a battery of tests, to make sure he's 100% fit. And I'm not sure after two weeks training that he's ready to go yet.
3: But Robbie, is 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 he not going to go away and play three games for Argentina in the space of a week? And and therefore, you know, is it not wise for PSG to give him some game time before then? And then. And then he rest him against Clermont before the Champions League begins. I mean, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? It is. It is very difficult. Has he been called up to the Argentina squad? And not as far as I know. I believe yeah. the squad's not yet been announced. Yeah. But Argentina played play Brazil, by the way, in Sao Paulo, uh, amongst the three World Cup qualifiers they've got coming up. So that's yeah, so going to be one to watch, yeah. that's
1: for sure. Absolutely.
3: Um, I'm not... Yeah. Well, who knows? We have
2: to wait and see. But uh, certainly Paris Saint-Germain would not be happy about that.
1: Well, let's turn our attentions to uh, perhaps the uh, the game of the weekend. It was Lyon against Clermont. Clermont, uh, the surprise package so far in August. Two wins from two, and they went to the um, to the Groupama Stadium uh, looking to heap the pressure. On to Peter Boss, the, uh, the Lyon coach. Lyon were beaten 3-0 by Angers in their previous game. Uh, Angus Therode saw the action in Lyon.
4: Musa Dembélé looking to score his first goal since November last year, and he does. And the man back from his loan at Atletico Madrid gets on the score sheet at last. Decent ball in! Oh, and the equaliser! Claremont continue to punch against above their weight. And the centre back, Cedric Hatonji, a former Ren man himself, comes up with the equaliser. And a chance to make it two! Musa Dembele! The goal is given, and quite right, too. Dembélé scores, and Lyon are back in front. Two members of this back four making debuts today. Emerson and De Silva, that's lovely. Oh, this could be beautiful! And it is! Oh, what a goal! Finished off by Pacheta. Well, that's well worth the flamboyant celebration that goes with it. That is a fantastic goal. And it's got in. And Rashadi, the man who thought he was going off a moment ago, has scored to make it 3-2. Gastiat will take the corner kick in a chorus of boos and whistles. Another good ball in! And they've done it! And Rashadi has done it again! Two goals from the substitute have brought Clermont back into it and look like they've rescued a point from nowhere.
1: Well, Andy, a phenomenal game. Um, and you have to say, uh, Clermont are doing, are doing the city and, and, and the football club proud so far. Two wins and now they've uh, emulated Switzerland uh, because Switzerland were, were 3-1 down to France in the Euros with 10 minutes to go and they got a 3-3 draw. Um, impressive stuff from them.
3: Well, that's quite apt, isn't it? Because uh, Amit Schaefer, the man who's behind Clermont, the uh, the owner, he's Swiss, isn't he? The man who's who's helped the club get to to league one for the very first time. It's an incredible start for them. Two wins and a draw in the first three games, and uh, uh, just the, just a remarkable result. The way in which they did it. Um, you know, obviously at the start of the season, they would have bitten your hand off at the prospect of having seven points already. Their only aim is to obviously avoid relegation. But I think they're going to be very fun to watch season. I mean, I know you were talking last week. I think you touched on Mohamed Bayou, um, the striker who was a top scorer in, in League Two last season with 22 goals. Uh, who didn't score yesterday, but he's got three goals <clears throat> in in the first three matches of this season, and is is certainly going to be a player to look out for uh, this season and, and going forward. That's if Clermont can keep hold of him, um, because other clubs have been interested in him. Uh, and I think you know, even for for the more seasoned observers of the of uh, French football. The majority of their players are not players that, that we might be all that familiar with but we're learning about them as we go along um, and maybe the, the surprise element is helping them just now uh, get results like this and uh, it's fantastic to see because they, they don't seem to, to be too um, concerned about anything they're just going out there carefree, playing their stuff and, and, and giving us great entertainment um, and I'm looking forward to see how they do this season because perhaps that surprise element will take them a long way um, but you know that result yesterday, I think, maybe indicates as much as anything that the troubles that Lyon are having, unfortunately. Um, not that I want to take anything away from Clermont, but but perhaps in, in different circumstances later in the season, that result might not have happened. But just now, Lyon are really still trying to find their feet and, and it's a good time to be playing against them.
1: Yeah, um, Lyon actually played well, didn't they? In the, in the first half, at least. Uh, Musa Dembele getting his first goals of the campaign. Lucas Paqueta uh, finishing off. Uh, brilliantly, uh, a really impressive team move, and it, it looked like Peter Bush's Leon had uh, had arrived. But they've got big defensive problems. Um, they could have finished Clermont off, but you know, at, at the back, they they just they looked totally open. They they started with Diamond and uh, and de Silva, uh, de Silva, Damien de Silva, the uh, summer signing fr- from Wren really struggled. They had Emerson as well, the uh, signing that they've just got in from. Um, from Chelsea uh, a European champion of course with Italy um but I mean Andy you know the the coach is is being pretty tough with them I mean he you know he really laid into them after the uh after the Angers defeat said that the attitudes weren't good enough and uh um, this weekend he said that they made mistakes that you wouldn't even see from an under-12 team. So, you know, he's not mincing his
3: words, is he? Well, there was the um, there was the uh, banner un- unfurled by supporters uh, during the week, wasn't there, criticising the players and Peter Bosch basically came out and said uh, that he agreed with the sentiment, which some people found surprising because you might expect the coach to uh, stick up for his players in these situations, but he is going all out. I mean, after the Angers game last week, I thought it was quite, it was quite funny, to be honest. He sort of broke off from speaking French, because he speaks quite good French, Peter Bosch, doesn't he? Because he had, had a spell in, in France as a player uh, a long time ago, but he's come here and he's shown that he still has a good grasp on the language. But he broke away from speaking French last weekend and just said, it makes me crazy in 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 obviously his perfect English, because uh, the Dutch speak perfect English. But this time around, I think, yeah, obviously more reasons for him to be a bit crazy because Leon were 3-1 up. And and it's such a shame actually for them, because that goal by Lucas Paketat, if you've not seen it, if you've not had a chance uh, yet and you're listening to this and you've not had a chance to, to watch the goals in France this weekend, check out Lucas Paquetas' goal because it's a, a stunning team move. Um, and I think certainly we picked it as our goal of the weekend in France, a, a, an incredible goal. And for them to not go on and win the game from that is is a real uh, blow for them. I think results will come and they need to make more signings. It depends perhaps to some extent on what happens in the coming days when I mean, we have an agreement now to sign Jordan Shaqiri, um from Liverpool which I think is a really exciting signing because he is a terrific player. I know he's not had an awful lot of uh, game time at Liverpool in the last couple of seasons, but he's a really exciting talent with a terrific shot on him. Uh, And I think he'll add a lot to this Lyon team. At the moment, there's still a a work in progress, which a lot of teams are at this stage because the transfer window obviously is is, um, not closed yet. And and it's even more pronounced this year because business is just not happening uh, aside from the teams at the very top of the, the footballing food chain, if you like. And Lyon are caught up in that um, but maybe they'll get a few more signings in the door in the next week, and and they'll have a different look to them in September. Perhaps that's the way to stop sort of
1: suffering Swiss type comebacks. Uh, you sign Shakiri and then maybe they'll be they'll be producing them. But it yeah, it, it will be interesting to see him, uh, perhaps with Paqueta, perhaps with uh, Usim Awa. You know, supplying the ammunition to Moussa Dembele. You know, in theory, it's 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 an exciting attack. But Peter Boss's problems seem to be at the back. I think we do need to to mention Clermont's hero, um, the Kosovan international uh, Elbasan Rashani. He came on with 22 minutes to go, and Rashani scored in the 80th minute, and then again in the 90th minute. Uh, no goals for Mohamed Bio this time around. He's got three in the first two games. Strong, uh, strong reports suggesting that uh, that he could leave as well. Clermont. Very keen to keep him in in, in the next uh, week or so. We know that Bordeaux have been very keen. Uh, suggestions that Saint Etienne and, and and Lille uh, are also watching him. So a lot's going to happen, Andy, as well in the next in the next week that could
3: determine sort of you know the rest of the season, really. Yeah, not just for them, for everybody. I mean, this is the this is the the problem I think with the the transfer window being open until um, the end of August when the season begins at the start of August. Uh, in in a way, that what happens now could be very different to what what's happening going to happen in the next uh, few months. I mean, it's always the case for a smaller club that they 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 will struggle to keep their best players, and and, and especially in this situation. I mean, Mohamed Bio did very well, twenty two goals last season. It's obviously going to attract interest from elsewhere. He comes from Clermont. He was brought up there, and and the the the, the stories are that you know he's incredibly attached to his home and to um. Um, to his mother, you know, obviously he, he talks very fondly of, of the job his mother did bringing him up and, and perhaps he would feel, um, he might have thought um you know, think twice about leaving Clermont at, at this stage, but, you know, he's he's a player who's going to attract interest from elsewhere, but, I mean, they're signing some interesting names, I mean, Elba Rashani is a good example of that, so, maybe if they lose him, they'll have somebody else lined up to come in and, and do the job, but that is going to be very important for them because if they lose a guy who, who offers you that much in the final third, then, um, it is obviously going to be a big blow for them, but but great to watch and 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 you know I think it's always nice to see a fresh face, a different club, a team we've never seen before, um and and it's yeah it does add something a bit different to the the usual teams having their struggles and um you know the big names who maybe struggling in mid table but Clermont is something different. Indeed, we had uh, we had another derby
1: on Sunday. It was. Uh... Calmer in terms of, uh, well, in comparison to the uh, to the Nice Marseille game, but there was a, a cracking atmosphere at Rouzon Park in uh, in Rennes, Rennes against Nantes, a big uh, Western France clash. Andy Scott, he's had a busy old weekend. Andy, uh, he was he was commentating the game in Brittany on Sunday. Here's what happened.
3: Kamaldine Suleymane giving it to Flaviante, the block to tonight. T. Batista Santa Maria gets it through to Terrier. We haven't seen much from Terrier, but suddenly he's got the breakthrough goal. Martin Terrier snapshot on the turn. And it's Wren who lead in the derby.
1: So, Andy, uh, in the end, Wren getting over the line, inflicting a first defeat of the season on on Nantes. And uh, that's a big boost, isn't it, in terms of getting their campaign up and running?
3: Yeah, definitely. That derby is always a great game. And, you know, what we were talking earlier about crowd trouble and, and sort of the passion spilling over into something that it shouldn't be. Uh, that That's a great example of uh, the passion and colour and noise that, that a great crowd um, produces in, in a big football match, that Derby game, because there is a real rivalry between Wren and Knott. Unfortunately, things didn't spill over, although there was actually um, a bottle thrown from from the crowd when the Wren players were celebrating their goal. Uh, but luckily, it didn't spill over into anything else. Um, yeah, I mean, not, not a classic game, but Wren have have um, started the season just fine they're unbeaten they're um, involved in Europe of course they're trying to get into the group stage of the the new Europa Conference League which I think is a tournament they'll want to do very well in and probably will do well in if they if they put um enough um, resources into it they've made some really good signings in the summer they've spent a lot of money by the way 50 million euros on on new players on about four new signings and the latest one is batti Santa Maria who French football fans will be familiar with who's come back to to France from uh, Freiburg in Germany and um, he looks good. Obviously, he's essentially a replacement for Steven Zonzi, but that's in an area of the park where they might yet lose Eduardo Camavinga because, well, Ren have a lot of very good players. Uh, they may yet lose Camavinga, whose contract expires at the end of the season. And, and um, obviously, with again, with a week to go before the end of the transfer window, that's one to keep an eye on. Will there be movement there for Camavinga? I think they're, they're prepared to lose him. They've got enough players in stock to cope with losing Camavinga. And I think that given the way that the other big teams have started the season, um, they've, you know, they've given themselves a chance of being up there towards the top of the table, and I think they should be in European contention once again. Early days, but you know, one win, two draws. Uh, it's, there's a lot more to come from them because they've got some very good attacking players. Yeah, one of those very good attacking players, Jeremy Doku, was was
1: really impressive um, at the Euros with Belgium. Uh, a lot is expected of him this season. He's had a bit of a slow start. I saw just looking at the uh, the team sheet, you went off before half time. Um, how How was he looking, and uh I assume he's picked up
3: an injury? Yeah, he got injured uh, going for a ball in the six yard box uh, just before half time, and that is I would say that's a, a big concern for them because it did actually look slightly innocuous, and obviously he played at the euros with Belgium. It's an example of a player who's who's come back after a shortened uh summer break, and it does start to raise questions about have they brought him back too soon, which is possible. Uh, they're also playing a lot of games at the moment with the with the European tie against Rosenborg, um, so that's a concern because uh, the couple of games that I've seen Ren this season, if they haven't actually played with the two wingers together. I know they have done in other games, but they've got when they've got Doku on one side and the new signing Kamaldin Suleiman on the other. That sounds like it could be really exciting. Two really 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 exciting young guys who are still teenagers who spent a lot of money on. Yesterday they played Girasi and Terrier together through the middle, and Terrier got the goal. There is so much potential in that Ren team. And um, then again, it's a club who for years and years and years, we were saying have great potential and, and they never quite fulfil it. So it'll be interesting to see if they can really fulfil their potential this season. I think that's a team that should be going for a, a place in the top five, certainly. Um, and they've, they've they've strengthened their defence too in the summer. So I think a lot depends on on consistency, on getting these young players to perform on a regular basis. But I think they've got a replacement now for for Camavinga in, in Santa Maria and I think um, they've got every chance of, of doing very well this season especially if Doku really hits the heights because it was only glimpses of of him that we saw last season I think you're listening to Andy Scott on Le Bogie, the official Liga Gun Uber Eats
1: podcast um we welcome all of your feedback, of course, using our, our email, league1podcast at gmail.com. Do rate us on the different podcast uh, platforms. Um, that is always appreciated as well. Um, and thank you for all of your uh, attempts to answer our Deja vu" section. Our producer, Ian Holyman, does seem to be um, making things tougher and tougher this season. But uh, uh, many of our listeners are, are responding Positively to the challenge. Uh, if you don't know the game, if you're a new listener, you have to try and guess who we are talking about, hence the name Deja Who. Now, last week's clue um, was I started my pro career at the same club as Zidane and Vieira, but Brittany is where my career really took off. I had a solid spell in the Netherlands before that went up a uh, blind or blint alley. And then I had a very successful stint in Spain where I won two UEFA Cups. I didn't hit the net nearly as often as my older brother. Um, the answer is Julien Escudet. Good player, Julien Escudet was. A bit of a blast from the past. I'd kind of forgotten a bit about him before uh, before Ian brought that up. And uh, quite a few of you got the right answer. I think maybe that last one, I didn't hit the net nearly as often as my older brother. That was a clever one, alluding to his brother, Nicolas Escudé, who was a very good tennis player but still did hit the net more than Julia. Uh, correct answers, Ed Scott, who remembers watching Escudet in the 2006 UEFA Cup final and will never forgive him for beating uh, his team, Middlesbrough. Adam Sironic got it, of course. Romuald, Frenchy Lorca, James Cathy, Arten Mutishi, Joel Berg, Thomas de Roy, Bar says, Is it true that a move to Manchester United collapsed because he broke his leg walking his dog? Um, And I think Ian Holyman has answered, I'm reading the text here, that actually he damaged knee ligaments by tripping over his dog. So, um, yeah, unfortunate that for Julian Escudet could have been a Man United legend. Uh, Simon Klopfenstein also got it right. Uh, Hunter McGoffey and James Wascombe. James Wascombe, who is still 100% for the Dejahoo this season. Congratulations, James. But can you get this one? Um. I reckon you probably can. Let's go at this week's Deja vu. When I made my Ligue 1 debut, Gérald Batik, Jacques Songo and Joseph Desire Job were among my teammates. I went on to play under Mourinho, Wenger, Mancini and Pardieu. I finished my career unpredictably in Paraguay. There we go, there we go. Um, it's a goodie. It's a goodie from uh, Ian. If you think you know the answer, leagueonepodcast at gmail.com or use the hashtag Le on Twitter. We're just going to uh, finish off our our wrap from the weekend. Um, Saint-Etienne won, Lille won. Burak Yilmaz scoring for Lille. Saidu So equalising late on for for Saint-Etienne. So more frustration for Lille. It was a bit better from Gorvanek's team. We had... Three other 1 1 draws Bordeaux 1, Angers 1, Metz 1, Rouse 1, Strasbourg 1, Trois 1. And the other result, uh, just uh, a couple of words about this one, Andy Monaco 0, Lens 2, uh, Ignatius Ganego and Simon Bonza uh, with the goals. And you have to say, worrying for Mon- of course it's worrying for Monaco, they're having a very tough August, but a word quickly about Lens, who just seem to be going from strength to strength. Everyone was surprised about them last season, but they're looking strong again.
3: Yeah, really. I mean, they actually, they won 3-0 in Monaco last season, didn't they? two. Um, yeah, I mean, a brilliant start to the season for a club who, who spent a lot of money a year ago when they came back up. And that was a big gamble by them, especially when they kind of knew that they weren't going to be getting fans through the gate last season and they were going to lose money as a result of that, but they invested um, a lot of money in players like Siko Fofana, for example, the the captain in midfield, who's who's turning into a brilliant player for them. Um, and this time around, they've spent a lot less money. Uh, they brought in a lot of money by selling Luke Bade to Rennes, but they've they've added one or two uh, new faces. Nothing too um, exciting. It's generally just a, a case of trying to keep the majority of the players who did well last season, and, and yeah, off to a really impressive start. Uh, that's exciting for them and and I think you touched on it last week as well, seeing the atmosphere at the Stade Boulart when they're playing at home as they were last week against Saint-Étienne, that is quite something and I'm looking forward to the next home game coming up this coming Sunday to see the atmosphere there again. Great start for them but yeah, worrying for Monaco who play, they're off to Ukraine, aren't they, this midweek to play Shakhtar Donetsk. I think they were um, quite well beaten really in the first leg of that tie against what is a good Shakhtar side And, and they are now on the ropes if they're going to make it into the Champions League group stage, there's there's a real concern there, and it would be a real blow for French football in general if, if Monaco failed to make it, and and we were left with just two teams in the group stage. So let's hope they get there. Yeah, only
1: only one nil, but they did lose one nil at home. Um, no no away goals to to worry about now. So um, so we'll see we'll see we'll see how they get on. I've got a question that, that I'll put to you, Andy, that we've uh, received from Romold Lorca um about Monaco. He says, uh, do you think? Nubel is a liability for Monaco they've decided to loan out Benjamin Lecomte uh, the goalkeeper who's gone to Atletico Madrid but Nubel um, is supposed to be Manuel Neuer's replacement uh, in Bayern but he scares me at the moment when he has the ball at at his feet and
3: I think uh, Frenchy you're not the only one having a few uh, concerns yeah I mean I I think that's always difficult isn't it with a team brings in a new goalkeeper and sometimes they need a bit of time to adapt to the new surroundings and, and it doesn't look too great at the moment. It's maybe a bit surprising that Leconte has gone because he's a, a pretty good goalkeeper and he's gone to be the number two at Atletico Madrid to Jan Oblak, so he's not going to get a lot of football this season. Um, Yeah, I mean, Noble will probably need a bit of time. I, mean, I think the thing that surprises me at Monaco is that um that what really stood out for me last season was the midfield pairing of Chouameni and, and um, Yusuf Fofana. And uh, Nico Kovac has has brought in Jean Lucas, the Brazilian from Lyon, and seems to be quite happy to to shake things up in the midfield to the extent that Fofana wasn't playing at the, on Saturday. I don't think he was in the squad at all, if I'm right, uh, which is maybe a bit surprising because you know that was a that was really what drove them forward last season, those two midfield. Um, so yeah, um, I mean, Niko Kovac said himself, he he said on Saturday that to be at the same level as we were at last season. We need to do even more than we were doing last season, and we're just not doing enough at the moment, so maybe they maybe they're just you know struggling to get out first gear just now and and again it's what we've said about a lot of other teams maybe come september October things will be different for them. The problem is that so much of their season depends on on these champions league qualifying ties, and if they don't make it to the group stage it's going to you know mar their their um the season in general. So, um, yeah, they've, they've got problems. And let's hope that Noble can, can settle in quickly because he needs to. Andy, while you're here answering these questions
1: uh, so well, I'm going to fire another one uh, to you. We've had a question from Dylan Topham um, about about Nice. I mean, we didn't talk much about the uh, the actual game, what happened on the pitch uh, against Marseille. Dylan wrote in after Nice crushed Lille 4-0 uh, the previous weekend, saying he was really impressed by the performances of uh, Rosario, Lamina, and Melvin Bard, the uh, the young left back who's been signed from from Leon. And uh, Dylan asked, Do you think that Bard will uh, displace Hassan Kamara as the left back for the for the rest of the season? Um, and uh, what areas do you think Le Gym need to strengthen in the uh, final days of the transfer window? Uh,
3: well, it looks it looks like he has. No, it looks like Melvin Bard is going to be the the the, the pick at left back. Uh, you know, they, they need um they need a bigger squad, so you know, I'm sure the two of them will do a job going forward. I, I would say the um the area that they were crying out to strengthen last season was in attack. They've already made moves to do that. And I think we were talking about Andy Delor before. I think that would be a terrific signing for them. I think there's a lot more to come though from Casper Dahlberg as well. So I think they can only get better um in attack and you know, probably the defence is still gonna be an area of concern because having Danji back is is fantastic for them, but like the rest of us, he's not getting any younger, so you know maybe he can't play every game to a high level. So, and um, they need to make sure the centre of that defence is um, is as strong as it can be for the for the season going forward. But they've made some good signings in midfield. That's an area where they already have strength, and so um, that's that's a, a very good starting point for them. Thank you, Andy. Uh, we're going to quickly look ahead to the
1: next round of of matches. We've got one more round before the first international break. Some of the uh, the big matches on Friday night: Nantes against Lyon. Uh, Saturday, Nice at home to Bordeaux, Marseille at home to Saint Etienne, uh, and then the the big games on Sunday: Lille versus Montpellier. That's the 5 p.m. Uh, kickoff in France, and Rennes against Paris Saint Germain. Perhaps Lionel Messi's debut. Let's uh, go on a on a bon voyage, and let's decide where we would like to go. Andy, I'm going to put this one uh, to you because I don't, you know, Robbie's, Robbie's left early, so <laughs> Robbie apologises, everybody. Uh, he, 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 uh, he would have loved to have stayed until the end. But Andy, what what do you fancy
3: this weekend? I think Robbie's already gone to, to Rance to take his seat in the stand um, <laughs> uh, because, because they're going to be queuing up, aren't they, to get into the stadium there uh, for, the, for the visit of PSG on Sunday. Um, obviously, that's the obvious one because, you know, there is a chance that um, Mr. Messi will make his debut in that game and that would be very exciting to see him make his debut in League 1. But uh, I'm going to pick the, the game in Lens because for what I was saying before, the, the atmosphere there is fantastic and um, if I could go anywhere this coming Sunday, I'm not sure that I will be able to go there yet, but um, if, if I am able to go, I'd certainly take the trip up to Lens, up to the north of France and experience a full house. Nearly 40,000 fans there, great colour, um great noise it's it's a great stadium and and it's something that's been missing from from 1 for too long a full stadium and long so that is where i would go
1: well i will go to rounds then i'll 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 keep Robbie company just cuz i think on sunday night in rounds there are going to be you know two of the greatest things that we have on on this earth really you know champagne is the champagne region and uh, yeah the second one you you know you've probably guessed it leo messi so i'm i'm going to yeah i'm going to take in as much champagne and messy as I can on uh, on on Sunday, but obviously you know in mo- in moderation with the champagne. And uh, yeah, Rance against PSG will be interesting. I mean, PSG obviously will expect to make it four wins from four. They've they've had a you know pretty good uh, fixture list to to start with, haven't they, Andy? And uh, they should be all right. They should be all right against Rance.
3: Uh, I think so, but that's got a, a, a Barcelona uh, because of course Oscar my charge in runs these days and he comes from there so um, that'll be nice should be good should be good thank you very much Andy um, thank you everybody for, for joining us
1: this week it's been uh, it's been good it hasn't all been positive uh, what we've had to talk about this week but uh, we'll wait and see what happens what the uh, fallout is from that from that Nice-Marseille game we'll be back of course with Le Beaujeu next week uh, have a, a great week from Andy Scott and me Matt Bureau. it's au revoir et à bientôt bye 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 bye
3: Oh, Beñera, beautifully done, sensational!